Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We live in a culture where it's cool to be prideful. That's unfortunate. I think they, they think the kids call it swag. It, am I right about it, y'all? It's kind of, sort of, not all the time. It depends on how y'all, see, y'all think I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I'm older, but I know what I'm talking about. Now, not all the time, but sometimes if you use the word swag, you're saying how cool somebody is. Sometimes. And sometimes, depending on the contextual use of the word, <laughs> if you use the word swag, you're using it in a different way. But, but, but more often than not, it means you're cool. You got swag. And, and that's, you know, you're cool. In our culture, we, we, we love that sort of thing. God always has, listen, and always will call it pride. He will not call it swag. Somebody say amen. God's not going to change his language because y'all change. I'm just trying to help you. What'd you learn at church tonight? Well, we talked about swag. What is swag? Don't know what swag. God always will call it pride. God hates pride. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with being cool. Nothing wrong with some people who are just born cool. I got you. You're just cool. You can't help yourself. You walk by a mirror. You can't help but look at you. So y'all don't know I know this. And the reason I know this, I'm going to tell you a little secret I never told anybody before. My, my windows on my office are like mirrors. I, I can see you, but you can't see me. So I'm standing in the window like I'm doing all kinds of stuff, and, you, and you're looking in my window going. <laughs> I see you. I see you. You know, God doesn't like pride. He hates pride. Nothing wrong with being cool, but God hates pride. And I think that's a different thing. I'm joking. I think it's a different thing. And not only does God hate pride, but he opposes it. As a matter of fact, he's allergic to it. Think about that. God is allergic to sin. He's allergic to pride. God isn't against it. God hates it. He hates it. The Bible says if you're prideful, you're in for a fall. D.L. Moody said, be humble 
or you'll stumble. I like that. Be humble or you'll stumble. You know the scriptures. We're not, the Bible tells us we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And one of Satan's devices, I think, in his little bag of tricks, I honestly think is pride. I've seen it over and over in the ministry. Pride is the silent killer of the service of the saints. Pride. My ministry. I've seen more people fall to pride than any other thing. Am I talking about, anybody know what I'm talking about? To pride. Because you're so prideful. Because you think that you're all that. You think that if the ministry can't continue, if you're not in place. Listen, the moment you think that, danger, Will Robinson. I can honestly tell you right now, I don't, I don't think that. And if you know me well, you know I don't think that. God can use anybody. The fact that I'm standing here is proof positive that God can use anybody. But God can use anybody. God doesn't need me. God uses me, I'm happy about that. God chooses to use me, I'm happy about that. But does God need me? No. Does God want me? Yes. And I want him. This is good. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it is. It just is. But does he need me? No. God can use somebody else, and God will. And the moment I or anybody starts taking possession of the ministry and they start thinking that the ministry is about them, you are taking a step downward. That is a slippery slope. You had better check yourself. I've seen it over and over. I'm just trying to tell you what I know. That's how it happens. So somebody tells you, oh, you know, great. It happens every week. You know, somebody will say to me, great, you know, great sermon, great sermon. I, praise the Lord. That's, that's awesome. Great. I'm glad you got blessed. Awesome. Not walk away and think, well, man, I sure, yeah, I, I was wonderful. <laughs> Ooh, I was great. Ooh, man. Ooh, Ooh I could chills on my own spine. You know, people get, you know, you know, you, you get what I'm trying to, trying to say. I'm just trying to help you. And don't, don't, don't let that happen. That's a little trick of the enemy, you know. And, and, don't, and don't have false humility either. Okay, we've seen that too, right? Have we not we've seen that too? Well, uh, oh, great job. Well, you know, praise the Lord. Well, God is good. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. All I do is avail myself to God, and God pours His Spirit in me and uses my life. But all oh, glory to His name. It's like, whoa, woo, that was a lot. That's false humility. How about this? Praise the Lord. Glad you got blessed. Have a nice day. That's awesome. Great, God spoke to you. Awesome. If God doesn't speak to you, I can talk for three hours. If God doesn't speak to you, you haven't heard anything. My prayer is that God would speak to you. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. It's not even in my notes. If God doesn't speak to you, then you haven't heard anything. That's why the servant of God has got to pray after you've done your best 
commit the rest after you've studied and prepared and prayed and all these things. Put all this before the Lord and ask God to anoint it so that when it reaches the ears of the hearer that the seeds is sown and the Holy Spirit. Am I right about somebody? Clap your hands and say amen. That the seed is sown and the Holy Spirit waters it and brings forth fruit. All of that is God. It has nothing to do with you. You're just a mouthpiece, period. Point blank, period. You're just a mouthpiece. And if God doesn't really speak, that's why I always say just one word from God is enough. Because just that one word can change your life. Just that one word can change everything. You've got to depend on God. And don't allow pride to get in the way of, of, of what God is doing. You know, the story is told of these two ducks and a frog that lived in a pond. It's <laughs> a great segue, huh? And, uh, and, and a drought came into the area, and so the frog be, became panicked and said to the ducks, hey, this pond is drying up. Can you just fly us out of here? You guys can fly out of here, but me, I'm stuck. I'll die. So here's the plan. Why don't you guys, the ducks, get a stick and suspend it between your bills, and with my mouth, I'll grab onto the stick, and we'll all fly out of here to the next lake where we can get more water. Well, the duck said, okay, sounds good. So they found a stick. They placed it in their bills, and the frog grabbed on with his mouth at the middle of the stick. And the two ducks began to fly off, and the frog hung on. And as they began to fly on their journey, this farmer, who was familiar with the ducks and the frogs, he goes, clever, clever, wow, that's ingenious. Who thought of that clever idea? And the frog opens his mouth and said, I did. And that was the end of the frog, get it? So the moral story, keep your mouth shut. There you go. You got it. You smart people, you got it. Opening your mouth and saying, I did something will lead to a fall every time. And it's important not to take credit for what the Lord has done. Here Saul's taking credit for something which he had no part in and he's going to fall. Look at the phrase in verse 4, Israel had become an abomination to the Philistines. As long as Israel stays in their place and as long as they stay weak and defeated and scared, the Philistines think you're great. But as soon as they stand up and they say, we're not going to take it, as soon as they show some holy boldness to the Lord and are willing to fight, that's when the Philistines consider them an abomination. Now, I bring this up because Satan is the same way. Again, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And as long as you go with the flow and you don't fight with principalities and powers and you don't fight with the rulers of darkness of this age, Ephesians 6, 12, as long as you remain weak and subjugated to the spiritual warfare and the forces, they don't mind at all. But as soon as you show some holy boldness in the Lord and are willing to battle against the enemy, you're an abomination. If peace with the devil is more important than victory with the Lord, you will remain defeated. Notice in verse 5 through 10, we just read it. It's one thing to fight against the Ammonites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and the otherites. But it's another thing to fight against the Philistines. The Philistines are a very skilled group of military men. They were highly skilled, highly trained in 
processing metals, and they developed weapons and incredible sophistication. The Bible tells us the Philistines had, did you see that? 30,000 iron chariots. Iron chariots were like having iron tanks in that day. Verse 5 tells us they gathered together those 30,000 iron chariots. Many scholars question the accuracy of that number because it seems impossible that an army could gather such a big number, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people that are more in number than the sand on the sea. And they encamped at Michmash. To the east is Bethaven. Got a pen? It means house of vanity or house of evil. So the Philistines encamped at Michmash. Historians tell us that this is the largest gathering of the Philistines in the Old Testament. Verse 6 tells us when the men of Israel saw this huge, massive Philistine army of tens and tens and tens of thousands of people, they were afraid. They hid themselves in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and pits. And some of them ran and they went to the land. You're looking at verse 6. And they went to the land of Gad and Gilead. The men following Saul were trembling because it seemed the odds were against them. Israel was trembling, but God wasn't trembling. Israel was in trouble, but God wasn't trouble. God wasn't afraid. Even in our economy, in our world today, people are afraid, aren't they? Aren't people afraid? You get that sense? People are afraid. Unemployment. Universal health care. People are troubled. God isn't troubled. The Christians shouldn't be troubled. The only thing that caused God to be troubled, listen, the only thing that causes God to be troubled and the only thing that causes God to be afraid is unbelief. Saul's unbelief and the people's unbelief, it isn't, God isn't troubled by the odds. Look at verse 8. So the people are trembling. Saul's probably trembling, thinking and preparing for battle and waiting for Samuel. Now, obviously, at some point in their conversation, Samuel told Saul, please look at verse 8. It's critical. Obviously, at some point in their conversation, Samuel told Saul to wait for seven days and he would come and offer sacrifice and ask for God's blessings on them as they go to battle. The implication is God would have given victory if he would have waited. So Saul waited. And he waited one day, and he waited two days, three days, four days. He waited five days, six days. He decided he couldn't wait any longer. He says, I'm losing men. People are going A-W-A-L. Some are going to on indefinite leave. Some are hiding, and some are leaving the country. I've got to do something. In Saul's mind, every hour that passes, the chances of victory grow slimmer. Look at verse 9. Saul said, that's it. Bring me the burnt offering. Let's get on with it. If we need a priest, I'll be it for Samuel. Let's sing a few songs, pass the offering plate, sing just as I am, dear Lord. Close in prayer and offer the sacrifice. Look at verse 10. And as soon as he finished, y'all looking at verse 10. As soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel showed up and said, Saul, what are you doing? Saul goes, Samuel, Saul goes out to meet him, to greet him. You know, when you've done something wrong, you kind of act spiritual, don't you? I'm not talking to anybody here. I mean, generally, people. They act really spiritual. So Saul probably goes out, 
And he probably, brother, brother, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of Yeshua. Brother. And Samuel goes, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that blood on your hands? In verse 11, Samuel said, what have you done? Then the question is, why is Samuel so upset? Because according to Jewish law, listen, this is important for you to understand. It is unlawful for a king to offer sacrifice. Jewish law forbids any one man from holding the office of king and priest. You were allowed to be king and prophet, David. You were allowed to be priest and prophet, Ezekiel, Aaron. But no one could hold the office of king and priest at the same time. These two worlds were always separate. There was a king, perhaps you know your Bibles, by the name of Uzziah. Second Chronicles 26, read it in your own time. And he was the king of Judah. Second Chronicles 26, right around verse 16, tells us, he lifted up his heart to his own destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of God. Second Chronicles 26, 16. King Uzziah walks into the temple and offers a sacrifice. He thought because he was king, he could do whatever he wanted. And a man of God came in and rebuked him. And the Bible says instantly leprosy covered his face. God, listen, takes his appointing to a certain office seriously. Again, Leviticus 10, it's coronation day. It's anointing day for Aaron to the office of high priest. You know it. And his sons, Nadab and Abihu, offered strange fire on the altar of God, and God did what? Killed them. Now here's the practical ministry lesson for you. If you're a king, don't try to be a priest. If you're a priest, don't try to be a king. Stay, we've talked about it, haven't we? Stay in your and don't get in somebody else's lane. Because when you get in somebody else's lane, there's an accident, collision. I've told you this before. Might I remind you? People come to me all the time. Pastor Rodney, can we do this? Oh, this church down the street is doing this. Oh, this church down the street is doing growing kids God's way. I remember when churches were doing growing kids God's way. Boy, that was a big deal in the church. I took more flack. People left the church because I did not want to do growing kids God's way. Because I think if you teach people Kids, the word of God, you are growing them God's way. Okay, fine. I don't want to, I'm not programmatic like that. I'm not master's touch and um, they are all these uh, purpose-driven church. And when that was done, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven man, purpose-driven woman, purpose-driven team, purpose-driven German shepherd, purpose-driven, I'm like... (laughs) Purpose-driven, purpose-driven, purpose-driven. I'm like, where does it stop? And I can't keep up with all this. So I say stay in my lane. This is what we do here at Calvary Chapel. Listen, it's real simple. Good, I don't even need to say it. You already know it. We teach the word of God. That's as simple as that. We don't get in, uh, listen, we don't, we teach the Bible. 
we teach. Verse, this is our lane. What is Calvary Chapel about, they ask? Well, it's really simple. They teach verse by verse. That's it? Yep, that's it. And to me, there ain't nothing else. But okay, fine. No dancing bears. No smoke on the stage. No lights that change with the beat of the Carol up here, boom, boom, the lights go boom, boom. People go, wow, yes. <laughs> this is what's going on in the church today. You guys, listen, we all are blessed. We are blessed because God, I'm waiting while somebody clap their hands. We are so blessed. We are so blessed because because we are very simple, because we do just teach the Bible, because there is no dancing bears. Because we, we don't get in, we don't have all this stuff going on and all this stuff and it's got to be new and clever and all this stuff all the time. That's too much for me. That is too much for me. And I'm not into churchianity. I'm into Christianity. I'm not into churchianity. Amen. Say amen. amen. Say it again. Because I like to hear you say it. I'm not in all this stuff. Everybody's all this stuff and new, this, that, the other. I know. No, 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 no. You know why? Because when all of those things go away, God's word endures. And I am telling you, and I'm telling you, give it a minute and it will go away. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about when I talk about growing kids God's way. Some of y'all never even heard about it. Why? Because it came and it went. The master's touch. It was a big, big Bible study. All oh, everybody's getting together doing the master's touch. Oh, it came and it went. There's always going to be something new. I say stick to the word of God. If you just do, you know, I can't, I got it. It's so hard for me to just do what's in here. I don't need nothing else. I can't do nothing else. I can't keep up with this. Y'all ain't hearing me. I can't keep up with this. I don't need nothing else. Stay in your lane. Amen. You do what you do. And you not, look, don't get me wrong. I am not hating on nobody doing what they're doing. You do what you do. That's wonderful. I'm just saying that's not what I do. That's all. I'm not hating on anybody doing what they do. If it works, praise the Lord. I pray you are blessed. <laughs> Whew, I'm out of breath. <laughs> yes. But I'm very, 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 very passionate about the clear teaching of the Bible. Very, very passionate about that. That's why I'm out of breath. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Because it's important to just teach God's word simply. And don't, you know, do what others are doing and get involved in things that you should not be doing like Saul. Samuel says, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you involved in these things? God is not pleased. 
and verses 10 through 15, we just read it. As soon as the offering was consumed, Samuel walks up and says, why do I smell cooked lamb? Samuel says, what in the world's going on? What have you done? And then notice this. Saul gives a series of what I call lame excuses. Lame-o. Excuses, not reasons. There's a difference. Billy Sunday once said, an excuse is the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. Isn't that true? We're good at making excuses, aren't we? Somebody once said, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. I think Ben Franklin said that. Thomas Fuller, who was a churchman and a historian, said, bad excuses are worse than none. Samuel wasn't looking for reasons or excuses. He was looking for confession and repentance. Saul could have said, I confessed, I've sinned, I'm wrong, you're right. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.